0: Hello, welcome to this podcast called Finding Inspiration. It's a 20 or so minute weekly podcast where we interview someone with an amazing story. After the show, I know you're going to feel energized, invigorated, and inspired. I'm Jennifer Weissman. Welcome to Finding Inspiration. Education in America is certainly a hot topic these days, so what the heck? I thought I'd jump in myself. Today, we're going to have a conversation with Stephen Shuck, who's the founder of a school choice program in the state of Colorado called Parents Challenge. There are real people behind the statistics of Parents Challenge, including Divon Walker, who grew up in a very poor family through Parents Challenge, gone on to Stanford University. He's now a urologist. To the Torres family, who sent five kids through the Parents Challenge program, and they are all six- in their own professions. Before you touch that button, take a quick listen to the summary of Parents' Challenge.
1: When we give out our scholarships and grants, we're going to give them to low-income parents who can choose whatever kind of school they want. If they want to keep their kid in public school, who the hell am I to tell them they need to pull out? Low-income parents with the same kind of choice that high-income parents already have and try to level the scale. Parents' Challenge is not a philanthropy. Parents' Challenge is a partnership.
0: Left, right, or center, I think we can all agree our kids need to be educated. Steve, how did you get interested in the education problems for the state of Colorado?
1: I ran for governor and in the process, and I'd never done anything politically. So I was way behind the learning curve. And so I had to become a quick study. Started studying K-12. Look at the scores. They're atrocious. Understand the system and how it's funded. It becomes obvious. Power's on the wrong side of the equation. Power's on the side of the provider, not on the side of the consumer. All the money goes to the... The provider. They got a monopoly. This is pre-charter school. What year was this, Steve? Eighty. 80- Two problem was that teachers weren't getting paid enough. They were going in their own pockets for materials. And that was sort of the conventional wisdom. Well, that's not the cause. That's a symptom. What is the underlying cause? Well, the underlying cause was power was on the wrong side of the fulcrum. No marketplace, no competition. It's obvious why they were generating a lousy product because there are no consequences. Good teachers didn't get paid more. Bad teachers couldn't get fired. It was a system designed to generate exactly what it has, which is be mediocrity. And any call for excellence was rebuffed or uh, discounted because in order to do better, you had to spend more. That was an axiom. Public education as an institution was not being funded at a high enough level. Colorado has an equalization act trying and balance between lower demographic, lower income generating neighborhoods or districts and more affluent districts. And so there's a socialization or kind of leveling attempt. But by and large, every district gets roughly 10,000 bucks per kid. And that's what the state of Colorado sends back to each individual district. 10 grand, that's 250, 300 grand. Classroom, teacher gets paid 50, 60, 70. Where the hell is the rest of it going? I understand there's overhead and all that stuff. You you can't survive with 60, 70% overhead. And you start thinking about, well, how's this money being spent? And why aren't we paying good teachers more? And why can't we purge the system of poor teachers? What is the consequence of a school not generating results? There's no consequence. The system is designed so that if you perform poorly, you get rewarded. And what is that reward? The blob. It's a perfect description. The blob gets a fixed amount of money, number of kids times 10 grand, and it allocates it amongst the schools within the district. Then it allocates those dollars per school. If a school does poorly, the only explanation the blob has is that it can only be failing because it doesn't have enough money. So it reallocates the more dollars to that school. So where do those dollars come from? Well, there was the finite pool for the district. So if you take more dollars and allocate it to a poorer performing school, the only place from which that those dollars can come are the higher performing schools. Then so you have a system that's penalizing success and rewarding failure. It is so poorly designed, just no correlation between results and performance.
0: Well, we know how the story ends. You lost the governorship. But as a result of running for governor for the state of Colorado, you took on changing the education system and created Parents Challenge.
1: What are the options? I get introduced to vouchers and that's really what Parents Challenge is all about. So vouchers, which essentially just say, if you're gonna spend 10,000 bucks per kid, give the 10 grand to the parent, the form of a voucher, let that parent shop. Pick the schools best for their kid. And then you create a marketplace, then you reward success, then you empower low income families. If you map out the poorest performing schools, you'll find out almost without exception, they're in the lowest socioeconomic neighborhoods. And this gets the parents challenged. Low-income families, they're stuck in the neighborhoods in which they can afford to live. And so what does the system do? It sends their dregs to those schools because they can't fire them. So they do the exact opposite of what Mike Miles does in his charters, where he sends his highest performing teachers to the highest need schools, highest need classrooms.
0: Steve, you're laying out a prescription for continued failure, sending poorest areas, teachers who actually score the lowest. It makes no sense to me.
1: I chose not to rerun the governor, not going to spend the rest of our lives kissing babies, and we're not going to play in that space anymore. We're going to get into the school choice business, uh, and we're going to spend the rest of our lives trying to change this empowerment balance, if you will, empower low-income parents with the same kind of choice that high-income parents already have, and try to level the scale.
0: Talk to us a little bit about the actual scores of these public schools and the success and failure rates.
1: There's the district, including District 20 in Colorado Springs, which is the Air Force Academy. People with choice, educated parents, 50% failure rate. And then you get down in the urban districts, it's down to 25%. You get a 75 percent failure rate. We put out the report card about Twelve months ago. Without any exception, the reaction to it was to circle the wagon. The superintendents and the boards of education didn't react the way you and I would and say, Holy shit, we can't live with these kind of numbers. We got to do something and do something now. The reaction was exactly the opposite. They want to argue, defend it, challenge the accuracy of the numbers, and you don't understand the test is only one point in time, and none of which is relevant. That's the point of the report card. not refute the numbers. So That's the environment in which Joyce and I found ourselves. I then became part of the national school choice movement, the voucher movement, a true voucher as Milton Friedman designed it. He came up with this idea in the 50s. So when I was doing my investigation, I found out that there's a whole movement in place led by Friedman, who simply said, flip the power to demand side instead of the supply side, all of which made immediate sense to me. Of course, then you create competition, marketplace, the all terms, the options are available to them.
0: It's on them that they, they take responsibility for the decision that they made.
1: Exactly. It's our job to educate them, make sure they have the tools with which to make an enlightened choice, but ultimately it's their choice.
0: So that's sort of the genesis right. of what was going on in the educational environment. And then you and Joyce figured out time to flip it.
1: Yeah. So I become part of the voucher movement nationally. So You
0: and Joyce are looking at all the pieces of the puzzle and you're putting together how other people have done voucher programs. Various iterations. And then you figured out the pluses and the minuses and came up with your own.
1: Exactly. So i become part of this national group that is primarily in business to produce state legislation that would provide publicly funded voucher or tax credits. I'm going to use the term voucher, but it's essentially interchangeable with tax credits. It's a different technique, but the end game and goal is the same to empower low-income parents with public resources that they can spend on the school of their choice. Going into our 22nd year, we pass legislation in Colorado, tax credit, means tested. You could use the, the money you would get uh, in the form of, again, tax credit, but I'm going to call it voucher. And let's talk about voucher as being a generic techniques that our opposition uses against us. They call guys like me anti-public school, anti-public education, privatizer. And amongst most of the public, they buy into it. So my response was, when we give out our scholarships and grants, we're going to give them to low-income parents who can choose whatever kind of school they want. If they want to keep their kid in public school, who the hell am I to tell them they need to pull out? They can use our money for uh, tutoring, transportation or the public school.
0: I think I read computers and supplemental books and
1: whatever activity fees, band instruments. A lot of these kids couldn't afford to do extracurricular because they couldn't afford whatever was required, art supplies. So we set a Parents Challenge up as parent focus, which meant that our job was to provide information so they could evaluate the full menu of options that are available to them and choose whichever they thought was best. And if they made a bad choice, come back and see us they're not married to that choice. Don't be afraid to make a decision. Now, again, these are, these are parents many of whom are not, are not educated themselves, some are illegal. They're not most importantly or most significantly, they're not accustomed to being empowered.
0: They became consumers of education and part of parents challenges to teach them how to become an independent, independent. consumer of educational right. choices.
1: Absolutely. Our most important value is exactly that. We want them to become independent, including independent of us. I always say that the long-term goal of parents' challenge is not to grow, but it's to shrink to nothing. I hope we go out of business because we put so much pressure on the public system that it, it raises its game, it gets good enough, so nobody needs it.
0: I love that line.
1: Absolutely. The idea is to empower the parents. There are about 50 privately funded programs around the country. We're the only one that gives the full menu of choice to parents. Every other one restricts choices to private schools only. Every kid has the opportunity to attend a public school public school in the in his or her neighborhood and if they don't have the ability to either relocate or to select another school they're relegated to that school regardless of its quality regardless of its suitability for that particular child maybe that child's totally tactile dyslexic whatever it's it's a one size fits all model and the result is that many kids i would argue that most kids are stuck in an institution that by definition is not designed to meet that child's needs. A school choice environment gives those parents the control over their dollars. So instead of the dollars going to the school in the system, the same dollars go to the parents instead. And they get to shop in the marketplace and find whatever school is best for their child. If it happens to be their neighborhood school, great. If it isn't, they get to determine what the trade-offs are that they want to make. Do they want to go all the way across town because the school has a better football team? or a better arts program, or a better STEM program, they should be empowered to be able to do the same thing for their child's education that they do when they're trying to buy an automobile. Shop it. Absolutely. Shop what is best. Your trade-offs. Not everybody can afford a Mercedes. So you've got public school, private, charter. And home. All the school choices fall into one of those four categories. For instance, within private schools, parents challenge who send their kids to Shiva. Catholic school, fundamental Evangelical schools, public school better fits the needs of the child.
0: Not only do the kids get educational benefit, the parents grow courage, they grow confidence, and they learn to advocate for their kids through your empowerment program. Parents Challenge actually helps the kids and the parents.
1: Absolutely. Bingo. Now, a second piece of parents challenge, which is unique. One is what I just described. We provide parents with resources to select from the full menu of school options. For instance, if they pick homeschool, they can use our money for curriculum and whatever else supplements. And the second thing we do that is absolutely unique is what we call parent empowerment mentoring session. We run about 25 or 30 sessions each school year. We poll our parents in the spring of each year and ask them what subject subjects they'd like to be mentored in. What subjects are bothering? What subjects would enrich their lives and their children's lives? And they identify for us in the spring what they want. We bring in experts in whatever subjects. We provide free dinner, free child care. We videotape all these sessions. Some of them are mandatory. Most of them are optional. 150, 200 parents in each one of these sessions. Subjects like bullying, how to prepare for a parent-teacher's conference, how to protect your child on the internet, financial literacy for the parent, nutrition, how to prepare your child for college track or career track. Many of these parents have no clue that their kids are intelligent enough to be able to go to college because they didn't and they they don't understand the system. So we try and help them put their child on the proper track when they're freshmen in high school, not when they're juniors or seniors is too late to take the kind of courses they need.
0: The lengths that you have gone in Parents Challenge to solve not only the education problem but fill the gaps with the parents how would they know what a common app is how would they know the process it's very difficult and i guess it took an entrepreneurial spirit to look at the donut hole what's missing here
1: it's interesting you mentioned that jennifer because i I hadn't thought about it till you just said it all of my peers all my buddies who are running various programs around the country and who've been part of this movement almost without exception or entre So my peers are guys like me who, when they make a charitable contribution, take it out of their own pocket, not out of stockholders' pocket.
0: You have incredible graduation rates, families who've sent four and five kids through Parents Challenge. Some of the parents, I think, have gone on and gotten their education as well. You have a contagious need for civic duty. For the last 40 years, you dug into your community and figured out where are the donut holes that need to be filled. What would you tell others who see some kind of societal problem and want to help?
1: That's both an easy and difficult question. Everybody has to do it his or her own way and find his or her own base and vehicle. The universal advice would be, just do it. Just start. Don't let good be the victim of perfect. Don't constrain yourself because you can't figure out the answer to every question. We put Parents' Challenge together on the principles that I've described. Others did it differently. I think Parents' Challenge model is the one we should be replicating around the country, not the private rule-only model. But it doesn't matter. Just do it. Put your head down. The only thing I can absolutely guarantee is that you will make mistakes. The question is, how will you deal with those mistakes? Are you going let them paralyze you. We're going to let them motivate you. We just kept adjusting as we went along. We still do it. We have about 300 kids in the program. Our budget's just south of a million bucks. And we do it with two people. Well, how do we do it with so few? Our parents are volunteers. We require our parents to give back. Parents Challenge is not a philanthropy. Parents Challenge is a partnership. The parents who benefit from our program have to share those benefits with the rest of the community. So they have to do some community service, but a number of contribute their time and effort to the operation of Parents Challenge. And that's how, that's that's their contribution. That's their investment. Our ultimate goal is that public education establishment, the system, raises game, gets good enough, does a good enough job meeting the needs of its customers so that there's no more demand for a program like Parents Challenge.
0: If we were sitting here in 10 years looking back, what does success look like? And I think you just answered that question.
1: Success will be no more need for us. Dr.
0: Devon Walker. And the five Torres children would agree Parents Challenge gave them a much needed leg up. Steve Shuck, you're an incredible man. Thousands upon thousands of kids have gone through Parents Challenge on behalf of the next generation. It is my hope that Parents Challenge goes out of business. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Finding Inspiration. Hey, I would appreciate it if you would click on that subscribe button and share this podcast with a friend. See you next week. I'm Jennifer Weissman.